it's a zoo out there So just be cool, don't speak too loud Try to fit in But if you don't, then you can be in everyone and welcome to the Outfit Repeaters. I'm your host Marissa Cantor and with me as always is Sam Chung. Hello. Yes, I am. I'm back once again and Marissa, I'm not quite sure what I just saw. I know that it was teased, uh, but I think the universe just broke. <laughs> I don't know what world we're living in, but we're here. I have so many questions. It was and- a Lizzie McGuire, How I Met Your Father crossover event. Was it? Did though? they just did they just prove that this is in fact the Lizzie McGuire reboot? I don't well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're jumping way ahead, but that was wild. Yeah. Wait, how old is Lizzie McGuire supposed to be? How old is Lizzie McGuire supposed to be? Yeah. Like the character? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was basically the same pitch as how I it's like she was supposed to be like in her thirties and in New York. <laughs> No, I mean like in the like when the original Lizzie McGuire, how old is she? Like 12, 13. Interesting. It's like 7th and 8th grade. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to figure out how that timeline works, but it doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> at all. Yeah, that was wild. And I know that like she posted about it on Instagram, but I, I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah. For me, the thing for me that really just broke me was the felt like Lelaine was in it too. Yeah, what is like that? Miranda was in an episode of How I Met Your Father. Yeah. That, that just broke me. I know. I hope she's getting paid for that. And then also like... What about that Ronnie guy? <laughs> I know. I almost thought Ronnie was going to show up on Valentine's Day in the How I Met Your Father universe. I know. Can you imagine the return of shy Ronnie? <laughs> That would have been crazy. I know that there is press out there about that moment and how it came to be, but we literally just watched the episode. I haven't looked into it yet. I mean, what could they possibly say that (laughs) would make it make sense? Should we find out? Is that something you want to do? Hillary Duff breaks down how Lizzie McGuire ended up in How I Met Your Father. Does Lizzie McGuire grow up to be Sophie Tompkins? It sure looks like it. Oh, does yours, does yours say it, it, it sure looks like it? Mine just says it sure looks like. Where are your copy editors, Variety? <laughs> maybe, it's a, maybe it's a tone thing. So does that mean that Sophie and Lizzie are the same person? Quote, I'm not confirming that, but it felt like a really fun thing to do. Why? <laughs> Executive producer Elizabeth Berger tells Variety, We got a temperature check from Hillary who has such a good sense of humor then it was just about finding the right clip. We loved that we got to bring Lizzie into our world for a minute. Why is it up to Hillary Duff? Shouldn't it be up to <laughs> the showrunner? Duff recalls getting a phone call from Berger and executive producer Isaac Aptaker, who checked to see if she would be up for the flashback. I was like, of course I'd be okay with it. Lizzie makes people happy. The fact that we could tie it into the show, I was obsessed with it. I loved it. It's not her decision. 
she says. Someone asked if Sophie would have been a Lizzie McGuire fan. I was like, heck yes, Sophie watched Lizzie McGuire. She came from home from school and watched. And she was like, wow, that looks just like me. <laughs> yeah. Duff admits, it's hard not to see the similarities between Lizzie and Sophie, adding, they definitely be friends. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, hold on. I like how they just sneak this in in the last, in the last paragraph. Luckily... How I Met Your Father was able to honor Lizzie and another past project for Duff, John John Corbett, Corbett. who portrayed the actor's teacher in 2004's Raise Your Voice. I really thought you were going to do the whole thing. I don't have time for that again. (laughs) We do this, (laughs) we've done it too much already. Okay. Uh, Yeah, new love interest. And then, okay, here's the quote At first, it took me by surprise. And then I was like, yes, of course. Why not? He's great. And such a good looking guy, an older gentleman. It took a second for me to wrap my head around it. And I was like, great. We're all actors just doing our job. Duff says we have great chemistry. Who would have known? He's a big guy with big ideas. And I loved it. He did not want to leave. He had never done multicam and was sad to go. Yeah, that is a really random (laughs) quote to just throw into this. Lizzie McGuire article. I think I'm going to go out and say I did not like this. I can't turn my back on Lizzie, but I'm also just like, why did this happen? I think, wait, what do you mean? You can't turn, what do you mean by that? I can't not like Lizzie McGuire's presence in anything. But it makes no sense. As Hillary said, Lizzie makes people happy. (laughs) That clip made me happy and then confused. What? This makes absolutely no sense. Can you imagine if like, in the original How I Met Your Mother, like randomly they were showing Doogie Howser clips. Like this is so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Objectively, yes, but nostalgically, no. What? <laughs> we're jumping ahead. We have a whole episode to talk about before we get to this moment. Uh, you can, yeah. You can get annoyed with my takes later. Okay. Or maybe now, maybe you're always annoyed with my takes about the show. But yes, we have two more episodes to talk about today. We are going to be covering season two, episode six, Universal Therapy, and season two, episode seven, A Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Valentine's Day. Really just flying through season two before we get back on track with our one-a-weeks. Just to start off with my overall thoughts on this two-episode package, Chris Lowell is killing it. He, He is bringing, I am so enjoying his performance this season as Jesse. He really makes me chuckle genuinely. Okay. Really good one line. Really good. It's the, the, the deliveries are, have been really good. I'm like in J street. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying on your like power ranking, is he at the top now in terms of like your favorite characters? I mean, I think he's giving us the, he's one of the characters that is giving the most right now. Mm-hmm. in terms of character. And there is just like a self-deprecating energy to him, but also a self-awareness that I appreciate. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I don't know. Like, it's not even necessarily like Jesse, the character that I'm enjoying. It really is just the performance that is really tickling me. And how much of that has to do with Mega Amazing Lady? It's not even just that, though. I feel like he was really funny in these two episodes also. Yeah. There was one point specifically where I was just like, 
he's bringing it. And I love that for him. Well, maybe it's because he's not depressed anymore. So let us go then, you and I, into episode 206, Universal Therapy. I'm a therapy girly. I love my therapist. And I was very curious to see how this show would be tackling mental health therapy. Questionably, but interestingly, you have nothing to add. I, You're not a therapy girly. What you, I didn't know you were done with your sentence. You, <laughs> you didn't finish the sentence with like a period. So like, <laughs> I thought you were still talking. We were riffing. No, but <laughs> no, we were not because I didn't say anything. <laughs> um, okay, well, in this episode, 206 Universal Therapy, Sophie encounters an obstacle with a new bow. Ellen uses her new job insurance to see a therapist and Jesse gives Valentina a hand at work while Sid and Charlie try to sell terrible wine. There's a lot going on. I mean, there's that much going on in every episode, but rarely does the episode description try to tackle all of it. All of it. That was a, that was a, that was a mouthful. I mean, do I believe that Ellen still has a job? <laughs> no. Okay, I guess they're telling me she does, but like, I would fire that person. (laughs) What did you think about the episode opening with the concept of a future America with a universal healthcare system? I mean, Ariana Grande. President Ariana Grande to you. President Ariana Grande. Welcome to the Woody Penis Club. On the plus side, (laughs) I got to see Woody Harrelson's penis from the inside. Several celebs actually got added to the Woody Penis Club. I I feel like I need to go back and make like a full list. (laughs) But (laughs) but, uh, so, oh, Judge Judy. Judge Judy, (laughs) welcome to the Woody Penis Club. On the plus side, I got to see Woody Harrelson's penis from the inside. I don't think... Judge Judy counts because she was actually there. That's true. So obviously she consented to her presence. I guess that's true. I thought it was going to take a different turn where she was going to like sue, sue them, them. Me too. And then end up in court. Yes. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> um, but I guess that's an Amazon show now, so they can't really do that. All right. So you don't, so you say, you would say Judge Judy is not in the Woody Penis Club. No. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Then... <laughs> Uh, who else did I write here? I felt like there was somebody else, but maybe I'll just like see it as we go through. Oh, Lil Nas X. Sorry. Oh, Lil-, yeah. <laughs> Lil Nas X. Congratulations. You are the most recent entry into the Woody Penis Club. On the plus side, I got to see Woody Harrelson's penis from the inside. You know, when we started covering the show, I never could have imagined the word penis would be uttered as much as it has been. Yeah. Oh, Stanley Tucci. How can we forget Stanley (laughs) Tucci? I'll put both of Stanley Tucci and Christina Ricci. Welcome both a twofer to the Woody Penis Club. On the plus side, I got to see Woody Harrelson's penis from the inside. I think Stanley Tucci would probably be the most offended. Stanley Tucci is rolling over in his like living grave right now (laughs) at the thought of like having his likeness slapped on some store brand ravioli. This is the Tooch. He's toured Italy, and he knows how to make real pasta. And yeah, he doesn't even want you putting cheese on your aglia e olio. <laughs> you think he would put his name on Stanley Tucci's two cheese ravioli? No, <laughs> never. 
And the idea that Christina Ricci would have more cheeses than Stanley Tucci. I'm sorry. Yeah. What is this? An insult to the Tooch. That is an insult to the Tooch. I would, you know what? Even Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney, you get invited to the Woody Penis Club. <laughs> On the plus side, I got to see Woody Harrelson's penis from the inside. That was a shocking name to hear. Did you like, oh, sorry, this is an unrelated point, but I just saw this note and I just made a connection. Did you like that Sophie tried to impress a man named Oscar by eating four hot dogs? <laughs> there was a lot that I didn't like about every moment with Oscar in wow. this episode. You're, you did not like that. We hate that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, the point is that his name is Oscar, like Oscar Meyer. I understand. Meyer. I understand. I was just continuing onward. Oh, Kaya Gerber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there were so many. Jared Leto. <laughs> okay, wait. Kaya Gerber, Jared Leto. Who is it? Oh, Paul Giamatti. So many people got inducted into the Woody <laughs> the Woody Penis Club today. This is okay. Sorry, last time for this episode. On the plus side, I got to see Woody Harrelson's penis from the inside. Oh, and Jafar. <laughs> <laughs> he came back. Great line. But speaking of Oscar, is that where we shall begin? Is he where we shall start? Yeah. Sure, let's start with Oscar. So Oscar's deal is that he wears his dead mother around his neck. She's been compressed into a diamond. Diamonds are forever, and so is Oscar's mom. (laughs) Everything about this was a choice that someone made. And the entire time I was just like, why? I've heard of this before, but I've never actually met someone who has done it. And I feel like more often it's done with like your pet than like an actual human. But I would also imagine that they're not obligated to use all of your significant person's ashes. Like they That don't... was a huge diamond. <laughs> like, how loaded is Oscar? I mean, yeah, the process of making a, a loved one or even a pet into a diamond is a very, very expensive process. I just like, I can't even fathom how many carrots that diamond was. I'm going to Google how much to turn my mom into a diamond. <laughs> Please. I don't know what this is going to do to my search <laughs> history. Uh, okay. Turning ashes. Oh, there's several companies. Oh, the cost of a cremation diamond can be anywhere from $750 to $20,000. Okay, but what if I want a real quote? All right. <laughs> Sam. What? You can never be too prepared. Oh, there's actually different sections. So here on this website, you can choose either loved ones or pets. So I'll go with a loved one. Oh, wow. Okay. So you need to start with at least half a cup of ashes. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) That will create a 0.1 carat diamond, and that's three grand. If you want a three carat diamond, that's 50 grand. I don't know how many ashes you would need for that, though. But how big would you say Oscar's diamond was? That was definitely more than three carats. Like I said, I can't even (laughs) fathom how big that was. Yeah, that was some bling. It was literally a rock. It was. But if you want to downgrade to like a colored diamond, like maybe a, I don't know, like a red diamond. Oh, actually, no, this is a little bit different. This is so fucking creepy. I'm actually a little disturbed right now. Can we stop? That we're looking at this? Yes, Well, we can look at pets. Remarkable pets. Do you like how there's just a chihuahua kind of squinting at you? Like, don't even think about it. 
For reference, I'm on Eterniva.com. <laughs> and if you go to the pet section, this is not a also this is, this is not an ad, but I feel like this is just wild. There's like this chihuahua just squinting at you. Like, why are you thinking about doing this? <laughs> My tummy is starting to get a little queasy. Okay, yeah. Sit up, sit up. You're 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 floating away from the microphone. I can't do this. Would you? Oh, should we get them to send us a welcome kit? No. Order welcome kit. Sam, I just think you're sending some like bad juju into the universe. Oh man, you have to pay a hundred dollars for the welcome kit. Oh, but it acts as a deposit, <laughs> so we'll be <laughs> we'll be on our way. Bro, you're the one who wanted to make this snappy. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Me? Anyways, mom diamond. <laughs> mom diamond. The date was going well before the introduction of mom diamond. So, so mom, 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 <laughs> mom, 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 mom. There's always a Matt McGuire quote. For every situation. Yeah. He's like Taylor Swift in that way. I don't know what that means, but no. <laughs> so naturally, Sophie is like, what do I do? This kind of feels like a deal breaker. Enter Ellen, who's like, oh, this is something I would ask my therapist. And mm-hmm. Sophie's like, cool. So definitely you should ask her this at your next session. This is another episode of Ways in Which Sophie Sucks. She's fully using Ellen and like taking advantage of her. And knows it. And is proud of it. And <laughs> has no remorse at all. Like when Jesse and um and and Val start doing the same thing, she's like, hey, I was here first. <laughs> yeah, that was, was the ex- takeaway. <laughs> I was exploiting the Asian woman first. Get out of here. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, this was working out so well when it was just me and Ellen. Yeah. Oh, this was the first um, Jesse moment that I did highlight in this episode when they're all kind of talking about like, what should Sophie do? And Jesse's like, oh, hey, well, one time I hated my girlfriend's hoop earrings, but then I walked in on her cheating. Was that helpful? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, no. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> so yeah, Ellen started therapy which she can do now because she has a job with insurance that pays for it, which is relatable content, I will say. I, I do th- I do like the fact that the show is acknowledging, you know, the realness. Though I do think that didn't really get into the struggle of actually finding a therapist that takes insurance, but I digress. I thought Val was going to be more against this. I thought she was anti-therapy. No, because by the end of that episode, she was like anti-therapy for me, but girl, you need therapy. Until she figured out that she could exploit Ellen and talk to the therapist. Correct. So that's sort of the trajectory of the main story in this episode is this back and forth between Sophie interacting with Oscar, asking Ellen to unpack these interactions in therapy, Ellen parroting back what the therapist tells her, Sophie using that information, but then ultimately just needing more. And she just keeps going back. Yeah. So ultimately, it's not weird that Oscar wears his mother around his neck. (laughs) It's his way of processing his grief. Yeah. And the therapist is like, eventually Oscar will get over it. And so Sophie's like, okay, cool. And then it's like the next time they meet, He's like, is it weird that I wear this? And Sophie literally like parrots the therapist and he's like, oh, what a very mature response from you here, mom. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) I'm free. And then it gets 
weirder. I was going to say weird, but it was already weird. It gets weirder. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as he takes off his mom, (laughs) he goes from being really good in bed to really bad. This doesn't make sense to me. Like wearing mom in bed with you (laughs) (laughs) feels dangerous. Like imagine Sophie underneath just like being hit by his mother. Just like. That's bruising. You know what? But it was a magical maybe sex her, necklace. Maybe that's her thing. Clearly. Yeah. In conclusion, Sophie goes back to Oscar and is like, hey, maybe you could like put that necklace back on. <laughs> and he's like, what? That is it. They are through. It was weird. It was weird. Like if we were going to do the thing of Sophie exploiting Ellen's therapy, I kind of wish that we got a little bit more substance out of that or like it went in a different direction in terms of what she was what information she was seeking oh you you mean you kind of wish that she would explore something other than her relationships that's not the point of the show (laughs) clearly i mean like did oscar need a two episode arc no like you said in our last podcast not the father wow you're really trying to Oh my god, do I even still have that clip in here? Why, no, father. (laughs) That one's just too applicable. I would have been shocked if it was removed from the board. Yeah. So. Luckily, though, I kept this one. Let me know if you need a bib for the blood. (laughs) That is is Sophie's story. Um, Connecting back to Ellen and her therapy journey, I did think that it was worthwhile to sort of see her sort of go through this and really we we keep seeing these these tendencies from her of like people pleasing and making other people comfortable at the expense of herself and I think that that is a relatable you know thing yeah that people deal with ultimately she ends up her therapist drops her because she catches on to the fact that all of her uninsured friends are using Ellen to get free therapy. Yeah, but you know what you do when your therapist drops you, right? Yeah, you beg them to take you back. And- do it! <laughs> that was that that came from another place. Like that was <laughs> that was dark. That was guttural. It was. So- why why do you think that the show is going through so much effort to make Rachel actively not part of it? <laughs> I don't know. They get, they had to they had to pay John Corbett so Rachel sorry <laughs> yeah pretty much you um, to get Judge Judy in this episode <laughs> Judge Judy in Rachel out yeah I guess so but ultimately Val Sophie and Jesse beg the therapist to take Ellen back because by the end Val and Jesse are using Ellen as well mm-hmm. so let's get into that piece of this episode. I did think it was fun and different to see Jesse and Val paired together. And I did appreciate that for once Val existed in a space that like wasn't about relationships mm-hmm. and we got to see career girl did not love that she was still, you know, being abused by her boss. And I'm not really sure what the takeaway of this episode was for her is like, I don't know. How did you feel about the Val arc in this episode. 
how did I feel about the Val arc? Uh, I'm of two minds of it. Part of me wanted her to like fully descend into an anti-hero, I guess, where she becomes the villain because she's already there in her normal life. Like <laughs> here she is just like chastising pathetic Deirdre. So I, I feel like we see aspects of Fred come out in her just in her casual everyday life. But this could have been like the full embrace the Joker uh, moment. <laughs> but um, yeah, at the end, she has this kind of like, oh, I see the light moment. And she's like, oh, I was being really mean. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of at that point wanted it to go even further. For me, I'm, I'm not sure what the takeaway is supposed to be because it's like she calls her toxic boss out on his behavior. And he rewards her for that. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's just game respecting game. <laughs> I guess she's a fraud. <laughs> she's still toxic. <laughs> I guess we just haven't seen enough of that dynamic for it to feel earned. Like I don't. I don't think. I feel like. Well, I guess it's just like not Val's story. Like I guess if you want to see that dynamic play out over like a multi-season arc, then you need to watch like Shrill or something. <laughs> Because you're not, you're you're just not gonna get that here. Sure, but like, what is going on with her boss? Like, what is is it game respecting game? Is it does he see her as like a mentee and want her to toughen up? And like, is he poking at her trying to elicit this response? Is he just a dick? Yeah. Like, what is going on? No, he wants her to start becoming more like him because that will show him that he's doing a good job as a boss. I think when he sees her treating Jesse horribly, he feels pride. He's like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> You're learning, young Padawan. <laughs> Is that your approach as a manager? Well, no. Well, <laughs> no, but the principle is the same because uh, as a manager, like I have my own management style, but... If I then saw my apprentice, but <laughs> someone who is You're learning subordinate, it's it's subordinate also, not subordinate. But okay, the, 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 yeah, you're trying to okay, but yeah, if you see someone kind of like mirroring one of your own behaviors, then you're like, oh, this was a a behavior that I guess they saw in me that they would now want to impart onto somebody else, and that's you know, that's just I can relate to that part of it. I will say that I did find Jesse entering the world of fashion to be quite amusing. I granted I've never heard of the color grayish. Isn't a I would I would argue a grayish beige is still just beige. It's grayish. <laughs> when you think about it. So Jesse is there as a temp. He's temping now because he quit both of his jobs to go on a tour that he then quit. One of his jobs was being an Uber driver. Which you don't really need to quit. You can start being an Uber yeah. driver again whenever you want to. So I call BS okay. Jesse. And his other job was being, you know, a substitute teacher. And he goes back to Drew. And this this part of the episode surprised me because I thought that there was going to be some tension there over Sophie. But like there really wasn't. Like, I thought that was going to be something that, like, inhibited him from getting that job back. Well, I mean, Drew has probably seen the Meredith drama play out. I mean, he could be mad at Drew. Or, sorry, he could be mad at Jesse. But at the end of the day, like, I think Drew would know that... 
Jesse Jesse was prioritizing <laughs> Meredith always. And he's it's more Sophie who's kind of like taking him on an emotional roller coaster. And also Drew's father's in jail. So <laughs> <laughs> Drew has other things to worry about. But Drew is always gonna take an opportunity to get some positive affirmations from his colleagues. Who's my daddy? Drew's my daddy. <laughs> that was so much more than it needed to be. And Jesse's like, no, I can't do this. He does end up doing it, though. He does end up doing it. But first, he takes some light abuse from Val. Then he goes to Ellen to ask Ellen to ask her therapist how he can get his self-worth back. Um, that was another great Jesse moment when Ellen's response is that he needs to find people or surround himself with people who make him feel good about himself. And he's like, great, I need to start hanging out with new people <laughs> or you need to find new friends. Yeah, except the friends he ends up hanging out with are like <laughs> children. The children. So that's why he ultimately goes to get his job back because oh my God. teaching is something that made him feel good about himself. Mm-hmm. That was really all the therapy stuff in the episode, right? Am I missing anything? No. We need to talk about Judge Judy. <laughs> Do we? Judy juice. It tastes like liquefied ass. But it sells. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And you know what? Ellen's a hustler. That was Ellen. That was her idea. But did it, but did it work? It worked so well that Judge Judy is now out there selling the Judy juice. I think it worked for Judge... Maybe Ellen has some sort of deal with Judge Judy because Judge Judy got Sid and Charlie to buy 10 cases of this and then just stole it. <laughs> well, Judge Judy didn't do that. The hot sales rep did that. No, the hot sales rep sold Charlie, what, like 10 bottles? Then they sold out of the bottles and then Sid and Charlie were like, we need more. And then they bought... It was either 10 or 12 cases. Mm. And then that's what Judge Judy stole. Yes. So So I would say it's this, an even bigger loss for Sid and Charlie. But we're starting at the end. So if we go back to the beginning, Charlie is still horny and weak. And he was swindled by an attractive sales rep who sold him all these different flavors of rosé. They are bad. Liquefied ass, as, as you heard. And what is the solution? How could they ever get rid of all of this liquefied ass? Well, if you slap a celebrity's name on a product, it doesn't matter what the product is. It will sell. Wow. Basic marketing. You're so smart to figure that out, Lizzie. And it takes them a minute to land on a beloved celebrity to use their likeness. But they land on Judge Judy and they start selling Judy juice. And you know what? Everybody wants Judy juice. And it works. It's working. But they take it too far because Charlie tags the official Judge Judy account in a post. So who shows up? None other than Judge Judy. Yeah. And Judge Judy is there to tell them that they failed the Judge Judy bar exam. <laughs> wow. You're so corny. I just thought of that one. Did you watch Judge Judy? No. Really? The Never? No. My dad loves Judge Judy, but <laughs> the guy who was responsible for Judge Judy came and talked to us in a college class once. Wow. Yeah. I used to watch Judge Judy sometimes. You learned all about why this man owed this man $6,000 yeah. for breaking his copier. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, car drama, pet drama, relationship drama, so much drama. Except Judge Judy is now, there's no more Judge Judy. Now it's Judy Justice. Judy Justice. On IMDb TV, a.k.a. Freebie. I guess it should be the other way around. <laughs> yeah, it was always on in that perfect hour between like getting home from school and going to dance. So one of the more random cameos that have happened, especially for someone to like play themselves. But I was here for it. Mm-hmm. And... It takes a turn when, as we already mentioned, we are like basic plebs who believed that we were going to see see a court scene. We were going to see some suing, but no, Judge Judy just takes all of the liquefied ass and sells it herself. See, how hilarious would this, would it be if like, how I Met Your Father just took some like WandaVision-esque turns and then this became like a, an episode of Judge Judy courtroom case. That would be crazy. Just totally break the format. They have 20 episodes. I think they it, would have time. Be, it would be a better use of like the extra episodes than the next episode, which we're going to talk about, I think. Because the next yeah. episode was very clearly a filler episode. For sure. And For it wasn't sure. even on Valentine's Day. No. <laughs> no, it is fully the middle of March. Yeah. I think we covered everything in 206. Should we move on to 207? Unless you want to do your MVP. Why am I always forgetting about MVPs? Well, Jesse. Jesse, AKA really? AKA Chris Lowell. Well, it's more like a Chris Lowell MVP if we're giving like actor MVPs, but I'll just give it. I think that Jesse, Jesse made me chuckle. Jesse went on a journey. He found himself again. I don't know who else I would give it to. What do you mean? The obvious answer here is- Judge Judy. <laughs> <laughs> no, the obvious answer here is- Dr. Dominguez. I don't know. Dr. Dominguez was quick to drop a client who needed her. I would argue that the client didn't need her because she was just asking questions like on behalf of our other people. But that was very indicative of the need because she's doing this because she's a people pleaser and she does have her own stuff to work through. I guess, but as a- th- I don't know. Dr. Dominguez gave up on Ellen and for that, I could not give her my MVP. At what- but you know who found his self-worth? Jesse. That's a very generous take because because he has to derive that self-worth from literal children. He went on a journey in this episode and he was hilarious. I mean, they all went on a journey. Like you could even say Oscar's mom went on quite a journey from his (laughs) neck to to his like bedside table and then back to his neck. We didn't even talk about that final moment where... The necklace goes back on. Yeah, you know what? I'm changing my MVP. My MVP goes to Oscar's mom. <laughs> the end. <laughs> well, that was episode 206. <laughs> Universal therapy. And now let's dive into a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad Valentine's Day. Yes. In this episode, the gang recounts their worst Valentine's Day experiences in order to cheer up Ellen. And I know we're all over the place with how we're formatting these episodes. I do feel like since this is an episode where they're all together the entire time and it is all of these like one-off stories that it probably does make the most sense just to go through it chronologically. Okay. Um, because we're not really jumping around from different storylines, right? Mm-hmm. They're all they're all chilling on Valentine's Day at Pemberton's. This episode opens with Kim Cattrall sensually dancing with a teddy bear to the song Everlasting Love. This is the first episode in a minute that is really trying to remind us that there is a mystery to solve. (laughs) 
in a very heavy-handed way. <laughs> okay, so the clue we get here is that the father loves Valentine's Day. Had a soft spot for Valentine's Day. Even before they started dating. Yes. Yeah. So then we cut to 2022 Pembertons and Jesse declaring that Valentine's Day is the worst. Yeah. And just doing the very cliche capitalist rant on this corporate holiday. I agree. And I've said this forever. Like, whoa, where are my Martin Luther King Jr. Day chocolates? The chocolate companies just skip right to Valentine's Day. <laughs> you love Valentine's Day. <laughs> Don't even pretend you're a Jesse. Well, no I, no, I didn't say I didn't love Valentine's Day, but I can also recognize the corporate interests involved in Valentine's Day, similar to how I can also recognize that Christmas is just a Coca-Cola product. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a love Grinch. You're not Team Jesse. So we learn very quickly everybody's take on this corporate bullshit holiday. Sid loves it. Him and Hannah have never spent a Valentine's Day apart since they got together. I mean, that is point for Sid in the father category. I had that point as well. Uh, well, I beat you to it. And Hannah is en route back to New York to celebrate together. Sophie and Val call it Sir Valentine's Day. I hate that. Val has like a legitimate claim to like a connection between her name and Valentine's Day. And then clearly Sophie was just like, let me get in on that. <laughs> as she does. <laughs> just slap an it's S like on the beginning. like a defining character trait. And Ellen's bummed out. She is alone. Rachel had to go, what, care for her aunt? Yeah. Who like broke a hip or something? In Florida. In Florida. Mm -hmm. That's so stereotypical Jewish of her. If, uh, if on our first Valentine's Day, instead of flowers, I'd brought you a nude ice sculpture of yourself, <laughs> what would your reaction have been? Red flag. <laughs> Maybe it's better that they spent this one apart. <laughs> She's bummed. She's wallowing. And you know what will make her feel better? Stories about other people's misfortune. Some good old schadenfreude. They should have just brought in pathetic Deirdre. Really should have. <laughs> no, what is happening here? So essentially from here we get this. Again, the ensemble is together for the entire episode and they're um, each telling stories about their worst Valentine's days. Mm -hmm. um, we start with Sophie. Sophie starts to tell a story about the time she was eight years old and making Valentine's Day cards for, for everyone, for her mom, for her mom's boyfriend, for her favorite Backstreet Boy, Kirk. Chris Kirkpatrick. On the plus side, I got to see Woody Harrelson's penis from the inside. Celebrity Big Brother contestant, Chris Kirkpatrick. And she's cut off. That's not a good story. Valentine's stories pre-puberty don't cut it. So Sophie tries to think of another story. And she's like, oh, so that time I was 13. And here's where we get it. We get the Lizzie McGuire clip just... Cut into an episode of How I Met Your Father. The multiverse has broken. And as I mentioned before, I did not like this. I did not like it on my screen. I did not like it. <laughs> you hang up. Oh my God, no. You hang up. Oh my God. You hang up. You. How'd I do? Fine. You're, you, you do have a squeaky voice like a teenager. <laughs> uh, I was going to pull up this clip. But I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, that's Miranda making an appearance here. 
Is Miranda Val, are they the same person? Is that the implication here? Oh, no, because Val and Sophie met their freshman year in college. So it's not the implication. So what, why? Also, that would be very problematic if it were the implication. (laughs) I don't know. They're not going to address who that other girl in the room was to Sophie. (laughs) Just someone who's dead to her. (laughs) Will never show up in the show. Then Charlie tries to tell a story. It is the year 2012. He's staying at an estate in Norfolk with his family and his girlfriend. We learn that Charlie just is not the most succinct storyteller. I mean, but it wasn't even like he was going crazy, you know, like. He- no, he like just started. He said like <laughs> three sentences and they're like, get to the point, bro. <laughs> And yet when Sophie Val is- Val likened it to softcore porn. I, th- I think that would that's points for Charlie as a good storyteller. Nothing sensual even happened in those three sentences. I know. I would say that, you know, it's, it's, it's a little hypocritical for them to listen about Sophie being whiny about, like, <laughs> about her Jesse feelings for, like, probably three minutes of screen time, but cutting Charlie off after, like, 15 seconds. Yeah, we'll get to that, but I thought it was interesting that that was all sort of, that all bubbled up so publicly, but we'll get to that. First, we have to talk about Brendan. It's Val's story time, but it's not so much about Val in a relationship sense. It's more like, oh, here is where we get the friendship origin story. It's the Valentine's Day because this is the day that, Val and Sophie met and their friendship was forged over a common enemy, a douchey man. I did not like this flashback. I didn't understand what they were wearing. I lost all sense of time and place. They were dressed like it was the early aughts, but that's that can't, that can't, that simply cannot be. Yeah, it would have been like, what, 2012? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I was so thrown by the fashion choices. And just their general essence. And the idea in 2012 that uh, Val would need to have hard copies of pictures of her butt. (laughs) (laughs) She couldn't just text them. Yes. (laughs) Sophie and Val both show up at a guy's dorm on Valentine's Day. And long story short, they both hooked up with the same guy. And I do appreciate the fact that there was no girl on girl crime here, right? Like they immediately were on the same side and were like, We got to get revenge on Brendan. We get a very young, very sort of naive Sophie. Not naive, but like she's just very, I don't know what word to use. You can see the influence, I guess, that Val has had on her over time. She's not great at insults. I think she calls him a butt. Yeah, I think so too. (laughs) In this scene, we get revenge. We get two gals holding baseball bats. And slow-mo smashing Brendan's bicycle to the tune of Before He Cheats. Again, like, what year is this supposed to be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was an interesting montage for sure. Um, but it did feel like it wasn't the correct era. So in this moment of forever friendship is forged, Sophie and Val are BFFLATNs. Best friends for this life and the next because they both believe in reincarnation and will be reincarnated as Cheshire cats. We hate that. (laughs) (laughs) Enough said. 
And this is not a good story to Ellen. Ellen wanted misery. Ellen wants a pathetic story. Who can give her a pathetic story? Jesse. So we get Jesse. He is a mere 10 years old. And I thought no pre-pubescent stories, right? But Jesse went through puberty in third grade. <laughs> this was funny. I did like this. I, I, this part was this part was funny. Cut to a child Jesse with a mustache. This was particularly funny for us specifically because of the running joke about your mustache and how it's just like always been there. <laughs> it has. That's a true. That's a true statement. So, did you also go through puberty in third grade? Who's to say? No, I think I just always had a mustache. <laughs> well, that tickled us. And Jesse tells us of a, of a girl in his class named Mariah Moore, the first girl he ever liked. He didn't know all that much about her, but he knew enough. She'd read all the Animorph books. She had all of these, I don't know, third grade qualities that appealed to Jesse. So he told her that he loved her. I mean, not only that, she's like in the middle of a presentation and he just like stands up. <laughs> like, bold move, bro. Yeah. We learn that Jesse has a bit of a pattern, has a bit of a problematic pattern. Mm. In middle school, he said it to another girl. In college, he said it to someone else. And he's always just ready to jump in with an I love you. It was a huge f-ing problem, okay? <laughs> Sophie certainly thinks so. Yeah. She feels some kind of way about it. She does. Yeah. Um, she gets Scottish about this. Yeah. She's like, cool. Actually, no. no I think Ellen, Ellen gets Scottish Ellen about Ellen gets this. Scottish about Sophie it. Sophie gets first. Scottish later. Yeah. But she's just like, oh, so this is a thing that you do? Cool. Noted. And yeah, I, I was surprised that this was all coming up in such a public forum and continues to. Like, she, she says some vulnerable shit. In front of everybody by the end of this episode. Maybe that's the therapy. Maybe the Ellen therapy. Charlie's back. He's really trying to tell his story. He 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 wants to be more succinct. I wrote in my notes that his storytelling is like an episode of Bridgerton. Like it's just very like the language choices are very um lady whistledown of him. I don't know what that means. Well, he used the words like sired. I feel like that that was a good analogy that was completely lost on you. So I will move on. Sid is upset. Hannah's flight has been diverted to Houston because someone is having a heart attack and the audacity of this person to just share their symptoms instead of hiding it quietly like the rest of us and dying. It's like, excuse me, you just called 911 in the last episode. (laughs) What are you talking about? Um, But that leads us into Sid's story. About him and Hannah and their first Valentine's Day. They had started dating, but they weren't yet exclusive. And Sid's trying to be this like bro of like, I need my independence. I don't want to be tied down. But he's a soft boy at his core and Hannah's the girl for him. So he needs to go get her. Mm -hmm. We get a similar narrative of like, what is with this show and just setups yeah, that's a good question. It's pretty back-to-back. It, I mean, it is pretty back-to-back. I, I mean... <laughs> because what ends up happening is Hannah is using Drew to make Sid jealous, knowing that Sid will show up and want to be exclusive. And I am happy that Sid was annoyed about that, but it was a very short, shortly-lived burn. You know, it's like, 
by the next morning, they were like, oh, I miss you. I miss you too. We're exclusive now. That's it. Not before we got some more Drew. He's been really, you know, he's making, been, he's he's been been making a comeback. Yeah. yeah. Who's my daddy? <laughs> Drew's my daddy. Did you like the moment when Drew was like flexing his pecs and Sid tried to emulate that but could not? Yeah, it was just like a shimmy. <laughs> kind of <laughs> like, um, what was her name? Abby's dance. Yeah. It was a good dance. Drew tells Hannah and Sid that they clearly have something special and Valentine's Day is about being with the people you love. So he's going to go now so he can hang out with his mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, so many mom jokes in this show. A lot of mom jokes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jesse loves sweatpants girl, but yeah. Jesse was also slipped some Molly 20 minutes <laughs> earlier. Some Molly. <laughs> So the next morning during the apology, Sid gifts Hannah like a slab of cardboard with everything bagels in the shape of a heart. What did we think of this gift? Terrible gift. As we know, when you put everything on a bagel, nothing matters. Nothing matters. (laughs) Also, it's like, what a waste of bagels. Yeah. Um, Also, I imagine it smells horrible. Onion and garlic. And, and just like free and like room temperature cream cheese. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a choice. So we cut back to the bar, like everybody at the bar, and Sophie is still just internally fuming over the Jesse of it all. And everyone's like, Are you actually pissed? And she's like, I'm not pissed, I'm irked. And she gets kind of vulnerable here in front of an audience. Didn't Jesse tell Sophie he loved her like in his sleep? Yes. <laughs> so he he was not even conscious. Like this is very different than like every other situation. Than all of this. So all these other situations that he's mentioning, he was like in most of them a child, uh, <laughs> <laughs> professing his love, and then later on he's literally sleep talking, and he tells Sophie that he loves her, and Sophie's like. That made me feel so special. (laughs) And now I learned that you weren't even awake. (laughs) Well, it's not about like, it's like comparing apples to oranges, right? It's like not the same. The context is completely different. Yeah. And she's getting so upset. She says that, you know, it freaked her out when he said it again in his sleep. But it also made her feel special. And she liked feeling special. But now she doesn't because he just throws that word around like it's nothing. That phrase, those three words. Also, when that happened, she was literally in the middle of a very, like a a decent length relationship with Drew. Correct. Her daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Then she kind of realizes that she was vulnerable and was like, ooh, this was way too intimate to say in front of people. And then she gets Scottish. Hannah arrives. She cried her way onto a new flight. Crisis averted, they get to spend their Valentine's Day together. She didn't need to do that. She could have just called her friend Abby. Yeah, what what happened to that <laughs> friendship? Yeah. Those travel points. Those travel points, yeah. And Charlie's like, okay, 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 I've done it. I have distilled my story into four sentences. What it all boils down to is he wanted to surprise his girlfriend on Valentine's Day. He was only wearing whipped cream. He kind of just laid around doused in whipped cream, waiting for her, but he got stood up and he got a yeast infection. You look scrumptious, sir. 
if uh, if Sophie and Val are serving early aughts, Charlie's serving like mid seventeenth century. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. His whole thing felt like it came out of Bridgerton. Again, never seen it. Oh, Lord, Lord. And Rachel doesn't forget about Ellen on Valentine's Day. All of this hullabaloo, all of this drama, and they end up eating pizza together over FaceTime. Yeah, how much did Little Caesars pay for placement in How I Met Your Father? (laughs) That's a great question. (laughs) Yeah, who's paying, you know, at Little Caesars for this placement? And how could they do all that and not get one of them to say pizza, pizza? Pizza, pizza. (laughs) We end this episode on what I would call a tender moment between Jesse and Sophie. The show is really trying to still kind of push them together. And I do think that they have pretty good chemistry when they do get to have these more um, quiet moments. Mm, no, I, I I don't know. I didn't get that sense. Really? No. You don't think they're vibing? I don't know. It just feels like a rebound <laughs> again. Again? <laughs> yeah. Well, Jesse tells her that, you know, yeah, I used to be a guy who throws out I love yous with reckless abandon, but after Meredith, I wasn't sure that I would ever say it again until I met you. You are special. And it's like, again, you were asleep. And that was like two episodes ago. (laughs) Yeah. He asks Sophie for her eight-year-old Valentine story. It was actually quite sad. And then took a weird turn, as these episodes so often do. Yeah. Like, it couldn't have just been like a sad little story. When Sophie was eight, there was a father-daughter dance at her school. And for Valentine's Day. And she hung up flyers all over town, hoping that her dad would see them and show up for her. Um, He did not. A neighborhood pervert showed up instead. We hate that. Because she posted flyers all over town that said, Daddy, come dance with me. Plot twist. It was Sandy Rivers. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a callback. It would have been. And this is like, a bummer. And once again, we get this um, sort of dynamic between them in season one, but it hasn't really come out in season two yet. This whole like, Sophie, all this shit happens to you, yet you're still so positive. How? Why aren't you a curmudgeon like me? Well, because she's toxic, because <laughs> she puts down other women, and, <laughs> and uh, because she's just generally <laughs> unaware of her surroundings. <laughs> this, sh- this episode ends on a very heavy-handed reminder that there are still, I guess, five men in the running to be the father because one way or another, all of these men in the episode, plus Ian, who wasn't even in the episode, have a soft toward Valentine's Day comment in this episode. Yeah, but like they really squeeze Jesse's in there. <laughs> like maybe Valentine's Day isn't so bad after all. Like that's not I wouldn't qualify He's not the father. I wouldn't even qualify that as a soft spot. That's like uh that's just words. That's just words. <laughs> that's just words that are happening. I'm, which I'm <laughs> still team Sid. Yeah, I mean of the of what we saw in this episode, I would say you know, Charlie seems to have a soft spot for Valentine's Day. Genuinely, like he would go, I think, above and beyond on a Valentine's Day for some sort of grand gesture. It seems like that's his thing. He got a yeast infection on Valentine's Day. Yeah, that's, that's commitment. Yeah, if that's not love, then what is it? So I'd say he he fits that bill 
Sid fits that bill. Drew, not enough information, I guess. And then Ian, I mean. As Sophie's child said, wasn't even in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Was not in the episode. So, so that's episode seven. Could be, could Ronnie be the father? What about that Ronnie guy? <laughs> <laughs> Sam, who was your MVP for episode seven? Ooh, um, Miranda. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Wow, that's really impressive. <laughs> I know. Shout out to Lelaine. I hope she got some residuals for that. I'm just kidding. That made no sense. Miranda's definitely not my MVP. <laughs> <laughs> um, my MVP, who is my MVP? That's a good question. Uh, my MVP here. It was a pretty mid episode. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take a a bi- <laughs> I'm gonna go with Charlie. Tell me more. Well, he told the best story, <laughs> and he got a yeast infection, <laughs> so at least I could do. I think I'm going to say Hannah. Hannah, interesting. Yeah. Why? Because she got her man. She got back to New York. She was generally non problematic. I don't know about that. I mean, I feel like we saw the beginning of like the, you know. The beginning of the end. Well, just like how <laughs> how destructive they can be towards each other. I don't think that that was, an, I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a stretch. They, I think they literally said, I hate you to each other. <laughs> but look at them now. I don't know. Do They're, I? Yeah, look at them now. They live on opposite sides of the country. I think that Hannah's days are probably numbered and... I don't know. I didn't want to give it to anybody else. If I were to get, I would give it back to back Jesse just for the content. What was the Jesse content that you, would it be like for young Jesse, young yes. mustache Jesse? Yes. Young mustache. <laughs> yes. Okay. Here we go. That is it. I, no, you don't need to change your answer. No, you, you, you reminded me. Of what? Of young mustache Jesse. Great performance. MVP. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. He could play the French horn. Well, Sam. That was How I Met Your Father, season two, episode six, Universal Therapy, and episode seven, A Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Valentine's Day. As always, you can find us at Alpha Repeat Pod on Twitter, at Alpha Repeaters Podcast on Instagram, and you can email us any thoughts, feelings, vibes at Alpha Repeaters Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we recorded the last episode yesterday. And I still have not looked at the website. <laughs> but uh, if you go to www.paginatedmedia.com, you should be able to find all of our podcast episodes, both for this um, and also for Crowning Around, which I don't even know if we mentioned that we got a crown episode <laughs> a few episodes, or a crown mention a few episodes ago. Someone Another was watching crossover. the crown, though. Yeah, big opportunity. But uh, apparently there's also some South Park crown controversy, but we don't need to get into that right now. We uh, do not. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways, uh, our podcasts are also available anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah, if we'll be back on our regularly scheduled... Regularly. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back on our regularly scheduled Fridays with... The next episode, How I Met Your Father, Season 2, Episode 8, Rewardishment. That's a mouthful. Yep. I don't even know what that means. <laughs>